Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain, where each episode we'll sit down with entrepreneurs, investors, and industry veterans to discuss innovation, technology, and the most exciting opportunities in trucking and logistics as we build the future of supply chain together. Be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get into the show. Here's our host, Santosh Sankar. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Future Supply Chain Podcast. I'm your host, Santosh Sankar. With me today is Brad Klaus, CEO of Haven TMS. Welcome, Brad. Thank you, Santosh. I really appreciate the opportunity. Nice to be here. Yeah, yeah. Great to have you on. And I think you're one of the first guests um, to come on and, and talk about international TMS. And, and that's what you and the team at Haven are building. But I'd love to start off with, like I usually do, how, how did you get into the wild and wonderful world of international logistics software? Yeah, I, I think that really it, it comes down to our co-founders, um, Matthew Tillman and Jeff Wainer, who had a vision seven years ago that basically saw a gap in the marketplace whereby there were not newer technology set SaaS vendors that were that were building transportation management systems for international shipping organizations and while that's a, a complex solution to build and the workflow can be um, robust over the course of seven years with that vision they, they built out the platform i'm now just happily involved to, to be in the company i will say that we continue to see the largest some of the largest and the largest shipping organizations in the world still leverage their international shipping processes in a, in a manual way. And so it's fun, it's fun when we engage because there's so much um, uh, value and ROI that a TMS can provide when companies are spending, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on, on ocean freight, for example, and still, still managing all of that manually. So it's an exciting time for us as a company. And, you know, as we step back before we, we dig in, further into Haven and talking about how you're approaching building software for the stakeholders in international logistics. I'd love to just give our audience a, a primer on the market. So we'd love to kind of get your take on where we're at in the international TMS business, You know who the players are, shape and size, all, all the usual points <laughs> people try to harp on. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll start with kind of a, a, a more broader market overview. Um, what's interesting is when we work with with these these companies, these are large companies. They bought software. They typically have an ERP solution in place. Maybe it's an SAP. They have a, a CRM solution in place. It's a you know a Salesforce.com or something like that. And they typically have a domestic TMS um, for their land-based uh, transportation in place. And there are a large number, as you know, of, of domestic TMS vendors out there. For whatever reason, there are not that many um, international TMS vendors out there. And um, as we look at the, at the marketplace, the, you know, kind of the, the first fast vendor to um, start to think about international and, and TMS, even though I'm not sure they would, they would call themselves a TMS provider, was, was GT Nexus, who started in 1999. And has re, you know recently over the last five years been sold to Infor and and then Infor was sold to Coke Industries, and so those companies that um, have international shipping organizations that are leveraging software in a TMS type fashion 
are typically leveraging in Fornexus, but we see nine or nine and a half times out of 10 that, that for the most part, those organizations are still um, not leveraging software and have manual processes in place. As such, there are you know newer companies like Haven and, and others that have um, started to to uh, realize that it's a big opportunity with $350 billion in, in uh, freight spin for ocean and air every year. The international marketplace is large and, and you know newer technology vendors like Haven are, are starting to come into it. So we would say that there, you know, there are some older technology providers like Infornexus, and then there are uh, a burgeoning number of, of newer technology startups um, of which we, we um, like to think we're we're we've got a little bit of a leading advantage there, and you know, regardless of the the vendor, what are the key features or work streams that an international TMS must have to be competitive? We are focused right now on more of the execution portion, so I'll speak to it from an execution standpoint. And when I say execution. What we focus on is the execution of the workflow that exists from order to invoice. And one of the reasons that it took uh, many years for us to develop the platform that we have today and bring it to market is because it's important to automate the entirety of that workflow, in our opinion, and, and not have to buy point solutions and try to cobble them together. And so we believe that the key functionality, which is similar to what you would see in the domestic TMS side, frankly, but more geared towards you know, international with integrations into the shipping lines and, and ocean carriers, for example, the key functionality tends to be, I need to, to manage my rates. You know, I'm, I'm uh, either doing annual rate cards with quarterly updates with directly with the shipping line partners, or maybe I'm doing spot rates or a combination and instead of using you know, hundreds of thousands of rows in an Excel spreadsheet to manage those rates, uh, I need a software solution. I'd like to book within the platform. So instead of going to multiple carrier websites and initiating bookings, uh, being able to do that in, in one location is important. International shipments in particular have a, a variance in the documents that are necessary, depending on the product, where it's being shipped, the customer and some other criteria. You know, for example, you need ISF document if importing into the U.S. And so a rules-based documentation engine that allows, the, based on the shipment, the BCO to understand which um, documents are necessary, assign tasks to their team or even their third parties like forwarders or customs to complete those tasks to make sure the documents are, are completed on time so the shipments aren't delayed is an important piece of the international TMS landscape. Certainly track and trace visibility with exception-based reporting. So I need to know when my shipments are going are delayed and, and take action against those. I need to know when containers are still at port and I'm about to get hit with demerge fees or when they haven't come back empty and I'm about to get hit with detention fees. Managing the visibility um, from a track and trace standpoint with exception-based reporting is important. And then finally, kind of on that on the end of that execution workflow from order to invoice is actually getting the invoice from the shipping line and making sure it's accurate because depending on the shipping line, upwards of a third of the invoices or more can be incorrect, oftentimes not in the favor of the shipper, the BCO. And so doing, doing that auditing of the invoice becomes critical before you pay it. And so from that standpoint, we focus on that, that execution workflow 
there are other elements that other companies are doing well and and we probably will will look at in the future you know around demand planning and optimization and and some of the pre-execution workflow but for the most part if you're if you're a TMS vendor um, in the international world, I think what I just went through is kind of table stakes um, for entry. And it sounds like uh, through the rules-based workflow, you're able to address a lot of the regional differences and variations in how trade is conducted. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's right. And the ability for um, third parties to... Um, uh, log into Haven and, and use Haven as a document um, collaboration mechanism and repository um, is important. So that that whole act of understanding what documents are necessary, what tasks are necessary to complete a shipment, depend, you know, with variances depending on the trade lanes, for example, and then being able to use a single uh, single system. To, to manage all of that, not just with your own employees, but with your with your third parties is something we find important. It's a reason why, why Haven and other TMS vendors are starting to realize that you know, we don't charge per user because you want more collaboration. You want more um, people in the supply chain, whether they're your own employees or or third parties using a system. And, and so there are a number of, of companies now that are moving away from that user-based approach because of that. And I think that's the future of, of the TMS market. From, from my understanding, your, your customers are the BCOs out there. So for our audience who might not be aware, uh, we're talking about folks like Unilever or Walmart or, or Nestle. Uh, how do you account for those teams tend to be global there might be kind of variations in how they conduct business or approach this. Are there any kind of localization challenges to delivering a TMS at scale? So typically when you hear localization in a software as a service world, it's, it's language based. And, and as of today, we have not seen any need to extend beyond English. And I think that's for a couple of reasons. One is I think that English is, is, is well, well suited for supply chain individuals, but also if you engineer your SaaS solutions, so there's you know uh, not as many words and there's more graphics and those kinds of things. People understand what they're what they're supposed to be doing. From a from a localization of workflow and, and business process, there there um, is a you know we're seeing two types of organizations right now. One are the the organizations that are that are trying to centralize. And they're looking to centralize their rate management and document management, track and trace visibility. And maybe they're using terms like control tower, for example. And, and they're looking to centralize that across multiple different organizations or divisions within their company. Or there are the de- decentralized organizations, which will, will re- remain with different workflows and different business processes at a ge- geographic level and different trade partners. And, and so being able to support both of those is, is a challenge, but is, is important because the, there, are, you know, there are certainly lots of companies that fall in, in each category. And even those that are trying to centralize aren't quite there yet. We believe over time, the, the, you know, the, the majority of the companies will look to centralize and look to have a central system of record and centralized workflows and business processes. But Many of these companies may be a decade or more away still. When when we think of international TMS here, you you'd mentioned Infor Nexus, 
we usually view it as a mature product category, but interestingly enough, you made a comment in our pre-call here about how many global organizations have never implemented a, a TMS. And this seems to be that year maybe that they're all you know, working to get something deployed in production. So I'd be curious, like what specific gaps have people felt with the current offering and how are you and the team kind of selling into those gaps? Yeah, I think, so first of all, a couple of data points, we recently ran a survey and the results, I'll give you just a couple of results. 92% of the survey respondents said that they had not purchased a international TMS or, or any of the components of an international TMS that I mentioned previously with potentially the exception of visibility. There's a little bit more visibility being used, track and trace visibility. And, and that, that same group of, of individuals said only 8% are happy with their current solutions. So there's clearly a gap uh, in the level of happiness in the level of application of software usage in, in the international shipping operations teams. What we find is that whether it's our solution or, or others, they can, you know, these SaaS solutions can bring to bear pretty quick and, and immediate value. Uh, we like to think that we provide more and, 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 you know, more quickness and more value. But in general, any, any SaaS solution being used by these organizations could be beneficial. And if there is a gap right now, it's in twofold. One is in companies budgeting for such solutions, even though they can create dramatic ROI and pay, you know, the, the ROA more than pays for the cost. There is still a, just like in any kind of new category, a, a need to make there be awareness that you need to start budgeting for it. But then also there's business process change. You know, international shipping is one of the largest, you know, one of the oldest industries in the world. Um, and, 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 and creating that impetus to, to change how you've been doing it for so long is, you know, takes time. And I think that we are starting to see, you know, with, with the people working from home, given the COVID crisis, you know, companies starting to realize they need to digitize their international shipping organizations. Um, they can't um, exist in the future with manual processes in a, in a world where people may be working from home. And so we're hopeful that that business process change is occurring at a much more rapid pace now than it ever has. And, you know, your market that, that you're playing in, we've, we've seen it bifurcate, right? And, and you're either kind of in this full-on digital forwarding play or you're in the picks and shovels play with software. And, and you've seemed to go the latter route. And I'd be curious, you know, what, what are the pros, cons here as you're actively executing against this playbook and, and strategy you've set forth? And interestingly, I put a third category in there, which are the, you know, the, the foreigner market who's now coming out with technologies that mm. they're selling um, and, and supposedly selling even without the forwarding services on top. And so there is, there, we're, we are starting to see the, you know, the flex ports of the world um, emerge in that third category. I wouldn't say there are any pros and cons to choosing one or the other. The way we look at it is there's $350 billion in ocean and air freight spent every year. And depending on what, you, what um, analysis you do, it's somewhere in the 60-40 to 40-60 
or 50-50 is spent through forwarders versus directly to carriers. And so let's just let's just assume for sakes of this conversation that it's 50-50. You know, that means there's still $175 billion in ocean and air uh, freight spent directly with the carriers. And that's the portion that we're focused on. And our our thinking on this is once you get to a certain size, call it 10,000 containers a year and $10 million in freight spend, it no longer makes sense to push the majority of your um, business through a forwarder for two reasons. One is it's costly. You know, there is a, a cost component to it. But the second is you start to want to not have a single point of failure within the supply chain. And so we start, we're working with those organizations that have already made the decision to bring their shipping operations in-house because of this, their size and or their desire to, you know, to, to be more efficient economically. And uh, so I don't know that there's a pro or con. It's more for companies that get to a certain size. We start to see them bring their shipping operations in-house. Mm. Uh, so I hope that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. It does. So I, I'd be curious for, for those customers that are on a legacy system, wh- what's that transition look like to something that's more modern, <laughs> nimble, like Haven? Yeah, and again, most of the organizations we talk to are not on a legacy system. But when we, when we do encounter those, you know, what you want to find are the gaps, and, and they're always going to be gaps, uh, the gaps in what their current solution does versus what, what the new TMS can support. So let's just use documents, for example. Lots of organizations are spending a lot of time and people resources manually handling documents, even if they're leveraging other technologies for visibility or rates or what have you. And so we look at we look at it and say, how can we immediately help? In a, in, even if it's in a modular based approach, and find those areas where we can quickly drive value. And this is even if they don't have systems in place. This is just our general implementation approach. And then over time, we can phase in phase in the rest and phase in that business process change accordingly. So that's how we think about it. But we you know we think in terms of you know uh, weeks, not not months in in many cases to to have you know to have uh, a solution live and providing some value so you know i i'm i'm curious your your take on on this thought because i'm an investor you live this industry this problem day in day out but i've always believed that process automation sits on the back of great high quality high resolution data and in, in my humble opinion, I think in maritime air logistics, the effort to you know, digitize forwarding has stalled out to some degree because of a lack of great data. Is that true? You know, what, what are you seeing from, from your vantage point being the disruptive TMS coming to play? At the end of the day, you're absolutely correct. There, there. I can't tell you how how many times we see numbers of people at these uh, larger organizations just trying to compile data, whether it's by going to different carrier websites and looking at visibility data, or trying to get the documents into a central repository. You know, just so that they can understand when they need to pay attention to a shipment because there's there's um, something going awry. And so I couldn't agree with you more that that's a, that's a problem in the international shipping arena. 
I think that the next few years will will be a lot better about that. There are more and more improved visibility solutions coming out that can provide for more of a control tower type approach with exception-based reporting. So you can understand, you know, when you need to, to pay attention to delayed shipments or, or other items that can cause customer stat issues or fines and fees and, and just uh, impact your supply chain. A lot of what we see is is data issues because of little documents being manu- manual manually entered into spreadsheets and and the data from those documents either never getting into the to the spreadsheets or or being input incorrectly and that's that's an area where where the data can dramatically be cleaned up by a TMS. You know, one of the things that what we do is we use optical character recognition to scan paper-based documents, digital documents, really extract the data and, and, and put it into database fields. And so as these kinds of technologies emerge and, and start being more and more used, the data will be a lot better. And um, I think it's gonna be exciting to see once the data is better, how the analytics dramatically improve so that, you know, so that organizations stop dealing with trying to find the issues and start dealing with how to optimize their supply chain. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And, you know, I, I'd be curious, like, have you seen then that there's more opportunity to solve these kind of first level problems around, you know, data gathering, data translation through integrations and, and APIs. And it's actually on the back of that, that, you're able to build this robust TMS? Um, it, it, it certainly can be through integrations or it still can be through through uh, newer technology, like I just mentioned, the optical character recognition where it's still, you know, you're still receiving digital documentation and, and gathering the data from that digital documentation in much the same way that you would be doing uh, through an integration. It can be a quicker, quicker time to, to, to value doing that and then build integrations over time. But you're absolutely right that the, the, the data exists in systems and then it's, um, it's not flowing through the international shipping organization in a way that is, is centralized and accurate. And, and that's a problem that, that I think will be solved over the coming years, you know, three to five years as new technology, you know, like Haven comes out to, to kind of solve that, that part of the, of the problem. Yep. 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 That certainly makes sense. And really, you know, as, as we think about 2020, this has been one of the most abnormal years, <laughs> I think, across many vectors. But have you seen like logistics teams get smaller? Have they gotten larger through COVID? I'd, I'd be curious what, what you've seen having to sell the TMS through. I would say I, I, I don't have empirical data, but I would say that they've stayed the same, but there's an emphasis on making them smaller in future years is what we're starting to see the, 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 the market conditions look like. I think everybody realized because of COVID that people working from home require you know, SaaS-based solutions that can be accessed uh, you know, from, from anywhere. And as they've started to consider that, they've also realized that, you know, maybe if we did it that way, we wouldn't need um, as many people or, or we could repurpose people into, into better activities. For example, instead of having um, people pull together rate cards into an Excel spreadsheet, 
and you know spending you know a full-time headcount on on that you know maybe we can repurpose those people and use a, a tms solution or instead of doing manual freight invoice auditing maybe we can repurpose those people in a better way to increase our revenues and increase our customer satisfaction and so i think there is a movement in realizing that these that your organization can be more efficient through technology especially now you know that people may have to work from home and then how do you how do you take advantage of that efficiency do you reduce headcount or do you repurpose this headcount to grow revenue and i think we're seeing both examples in market right now that's very interesting I'm going to shift gears here because when I, I have you on, I, I want to pick your mind a, a bit about business building and, you know, a, a, a larger or frequent conversation we have with founders is around pricing software in, in the supply chain world. And I'd be curious from your breadth of knowledge and experience, what is the most important thing for a company to think about as they go from kind of this early stage, seed stage, if you would, to making that jump into series A and scaling? Like where does pricing play and how should somebody or, or a founder maybe approach that decision or, or series of experiments to determine pricing? So I, I would say if you're going from seed to series A, it's a little different than where we're at. And so I'll kind of comment on both. I think seed to series A, pricing is less important than finding your first customers who have a similar problem. They have to have a similar problem. You can't choose three customers that have different problems as a SaaS solution and, and solving that business problem with them. Because I'm not sure even at that stage, you would know the best way to price to increase the usage of your platform, which is ultimately what you want. So I would counsel seed to series A and maybe even you know series A. You know, by the time you get series B, you should have your pricing structure down and strategy down. But you know, it's more important to, to, to find the, the best, you know, the, the customers where you can solve their problems the best and drive the most ROI. And then they're your case studies going forward. From a series A and beyond, I, I personally believe that, that pricing needs to be based on how do you get the most usage uh, of your platform? Because the goal of any SaaS company is to you know break even or maybe a little bit better in the first year, but you absorb your cost structure of, of selling the new client. And then it's yours two, three, four, five, six, seven, hopefully 10, 11, 12, where you're, where, you're, where you're making margin as a SaaS business. And so the more usage you have, the more stickiness you're going to have, but the more ability you're going to have to find new uh, ways to create new functionality modules and whatnot to, to upsell those clients. And so I would, I would, I would argue that companies in the supply chain space where supply chain by its very nature requires collaboration across multiple parties should be thinking about how they price their software in a usage way, not in a per user way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we've certainly seen that kind of come through on, on the back end when you look at, you know, cold, hard dollars and, and traction that customers feel a, a lot better aligned, a lot more willing to consider you a partner in in that type of a setup 
Yeah, and I'll give you an example. We we can be used as a as a customer portal, so our customers' customers can log in, and and see their shipment data, their documents, the visibility data. And for for some of our customers, they like that, or or we integrate into their existing customer portals. Well, it wouldn't make sense to charge for each user in that case because you want the more the more their customers are logging into your solution, the more uh, values being driven, the more sticky you are, the, the, you know, and, and so thinking about it from a, how, how can I get more users and then over time roll out more functionality that I charge more for is how we think about it. And, you know, you, you have a background seeped in software. You weren't working with supply chain companies prior to Haven. So I'd be curious, I'm, I'm always curious about, you know, what are you applying from those experiences to Haven to lead Haven to success now? Yeah, I think the key one in, in anything you do from a SaaS standpoint, provided you're um, a technology that focuses on automating workflows, because you can automate a Salesforce workflow, you can automate an engineering workflow, you can automate an HR workflow, and there's hundreds of others we could go through. If, if your solution is focused on automating a workflow, you have to listen to your customers about the requirements they have within that workflow. And then you have to find the commonality between customers so you're not developing functionality that is one-off specific to a, one customer, but not the other hundred customers you're gonna, you're gonna sign. And so we're, we're fortunate at Haven that most international shipping organizations and for the most part, they have you know similar workflows. They manage rates, they do bookings, they manage documents, they need track and trace visibility, and they need to do freight invoice auditing. But then listening to our customers about how we can bring to bear solutions to, to continue to improve theirs is what makes a great SaaS company. Mm-hmm. Um, an example is the optical character recognition technology that I refer, referred to earlier. That was that was working jointly with a customer who 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 knew that we weren't going to be able to do an SAP integration for a year or more. And we still needed to figure out how we didn't want to manually data enter um, information from documents. And so we came up with the idea of leveraging OCR technology, which is, you know, given all the benefits of what a SAP integration would have, right? So it's being creative with your customers. It's really important. And, you know, kind of to bring this all together, what do you wish you knew about international logistics or or even just broadly supply chain at the onset of taking the reins as CEO? (laughs) I, yeah, I, I'll I'll tell you once while I'm thinking about what I wish I knew, I'll tell you what I'm most surprised about. I'm most surprised that these large organizations spending hundreds of millions of dollars are still not using software to manage the workflows. Uh, that seems that seems 20 years old, right? When SaaS software started to emerge. And so I've been most surprised about that. I guess if I wish I knew something, it would probably be the, the level of business process change that has to occur to engage with these organizations. And you know, now that we've we've learned that we're taking more of a, you know, get live quickly with module kind of an approach. And, and, and I think we just need to, I need to understand that it'll take time for these large organizations 
who are operating in you know one of the world's large, oldest uh, industries, the the ocean shipping industry, to to fully automate their processes. Yeah, so that would be my answer. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can completely relate to 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 both that sentiment, especially the first sentiment where it's it's unbelievable that you have trillions of dollars of trade using fairly antiquated methods to get something valuable from point A to point B. But I think that's why we're, we're here talking about the future of supply chain. And equally, Brad, super happy to, to finally have you on the episode and look forward to seeing where you and the Haven team take your vision. Cheers. Yeah, Santosh, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and tell us what you liked. And be sure to head over to podcast.dynamo.vc to keep up to date with our latest content or subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Until next time.